Hi, listeners. My name is Nat Wutayatanase. Welcome to Frontier FinTech Podcast, a podcast that makes FinTech inclusive, accessible, and understandable for everyone. Our guest today is Raymond Zhu, Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Capital. So Raymond launched Capital with the conviction that no one should be left behind when it came to innovation in financial services. And today, the company is providing a simple, secure, and sensible solution for investing into crypto. And the company is backed by leading global funds such as SIG Susquehanna, Dragonfly Capital, and GSR Ventures. Also, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Nat, and hello, everyone. Good to you know have a conversation with everyone here. You've spent most of your career in banking and financial services at notable companies such as Citibank. Air wallets, etc. Can you share with us your life story? What drew you into financial services in the first place? Yeah, I think you know, uh, very standard. As right? so I entered the uh, MBA after working a few years, and I think you know, financial service is always the most attractive uh, jobs. You know, after MBA, so being honest, I just try to explore some options and you know, and get into Citibank. But I think this is how life works. When I was in Citibank, I was, you know, assigned to a, to a job in Africa to work on the cash business, right? Payment, collection, liquidity. So one of my main focus was the uh, collaboration with the uh, mobile payment uh, in Kenya for Citibank to make payment, the clients to make payment to the users and also collect money from the users via the mobile payment. So that's the moment I realized, right? FinTech can be very, very interesting and also very impactful at the same time. Because that means so much for the people in Kenya, they might not be able to have a bank account, but the mobile payment helps to you know improve their life so much, and and, and the whole mobile payment stuff getting so big that even the corporate has to be part of it to further enhance the uh, the ecosystem. So I think that's the that's the starting point of my fintech you know career. Although I was in the bank, but I really exposed myself to something very different and very new. So from that time, you know, I try to keep myself in the innovation parts within the bank. And after years, uh, I think when I got a chance to work uh, in, in Airwallex, which is a cross-border payment fintech company, I was very excited and joined. And I think I picked up so many things. Yeah. And then, you know, luckily I got a chance to get funded by the angel investor, C-Run investor for the capital idea. I think you just mentioned our vision is to make sure no one got left behind, right? And I think crypto is so powerful that we want to make sure everyone can have the access. But again, it's still a feedback. You want to make sure you bring the finances to everyone's life and help them. So I think that's how I get into the career, and that's how I, you know, put everything to this point at the uh, capital. So in Africa, specifically in in Kenya, banking penetration was I'm not sure how much, but probably quite low, right? Whereas mobile penetration is more than 100% there. Was there any realization or like a light bulb moment that you you mm. found during the time that you know motivated you to go into this route of financial services and and you know think about which tool is the most important mm. thing to bring people into the the financial inclusion space? Yeah, I think that moment is actually when I was in Kenya visiting the central bank. So, you know, we visit them because we want to come up with this new product, right? So always a courtesy call just let the regulator know what mm. you plan to do and what's the purpose and intention behind it. Of course, CP is quite a prestigious name in the market, uh, but still that kind of, you know, relationship is still very important. So I was the one in charge of the project. So, of course, visit the uh, central bank with my colleague's company. So in the conversation, I just, I just 
curious, right? So I asked him, how you make this happen? Because by the time the two mobile payment, they are under the telecom company. So it's not really regulated by the, the central bank or the, the you know financial regulator. It's actually regulated by the uh, Department of Communication. <laughs> so so I, I say, so how, so how do you make this happen? Yeah, so I say, how do you make this happen? Because you are managing or regulating those two, you know, big telecoms with strong financial service, you know, capability on the ground indirectly, right? Which is not known in most of the markets. You can say it's very innovative, but somehow it's also kind of risky, right? And I, I was still very traditional commercial, uh, traditional financial service industry mindset by the time. So I asked him how you get this done. I was so surprised. The answer is actually easy. They say, right? They have been in, the, uh, in, the, in, in, in Kenya for long enough and they try whatever they can to promote the penetration of financial services, but the result is not so good, as you can imagine, because the, the fixed cost opening the branch is high mm-hmm. and the GDP per person actually is low. So no matter how hard you push, commercially won't work. The bank are not going to take those customers. I didn't know that. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the reality. So if there's any way they can improve people's life, right? They pick, they take the financial inclusion to heart. Whatever it takes, they will do it. So that's how it starts. They, so they just call in, you know, the two major telecom company and say Airtel and Safaricom by the time. So, you know, with the company of the Department of Communication and make it very clear, right? So we want to experiment this. And this is very, very aggressive targets, but it can be very disruptive. But in the same time, they want to make sure they understand we give you this privilege to do it. Although I don't regulate you directly, but with the partnership with the other department, we will have to get, get this right. So, I mean, if the regulator can be so brave to make something different, I think corporate, right? Or even like an individual, we should also try to stretch. So I think, you know, that's why by the time we, we you know, Besides all the commercial flow, right? The insurance company collect the premium or user to pay the utility bills. We also try to work with NGOs because we know, you know, the donation coming from the other countries. One of the major costs is actually how to distribute it. It's very right. expensive when the, you carry the cash. Yeah, and you carry the cash around village by village to give away those cash is just too expensive, right? So you lose a lot of value of those donation because of the cost. So we also work with the NGO to make sure they can get their donation by mobile phone. It's much easier, more efficient and benefit the whole ecosystem. So I think this is also what, you know, I learned during my MBA time, right? Doing good and doing well. So that is very satisfied how you, you get both things done at once. And yeah, and it's still, you are still in a bank. So, you know, there's no excuse that I'm a banker. So I'm very lacking in terms of innovation, but you know, you can still do something different. So I think that's the moment I realized that I want to stick to this career. So from that, uh, from then on, you stick to financial services and fintech. Mm. So what was it about crypto that makes you mm. feel like this is the, the fundamental mm. building blocks or the rails mm. that we need to provide financial inclusion for the people? Yeah. So I think uh, it happened last year, right? When I was looking around and say, hey, you know, what I'm going to do next after mm. Wallace, right? So it was a very nice journey. I pick up so many things, but, you know, move on for certain reason. And I was looking at crypto. It was about to boom, not yet there. But I realized one thing, right? COVID happened by the time. 
you can see the interest rate in the crypto world that you can earn is actually much higher than the interest rate you can earn in the traditional banking deposit. And yeah, like four times more, if, yeah, if not more. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it, sometimes you can even calculate because in some area the zero is zero interest rate right now, right? So, <laughs> so or negative so, <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So I was asking myself what we can really do to help people, right? So I remember U.S. government distribute like $1,200 check to everyone to try to boost the economy, help the people. And you can see two very extreme stories, right? For people who don't really need that cash, they maybe use the cash to buy Bitcoin, to buy Tesla, let's say, right? On the other hand, right, you got people- Best investment ever if yeah. they buy Tesla shares <laughs> at <Yes>. the time. <laughs> yes, so, so, so they end up maybe several folds already, right? But for people who really need that money, what happens is that they can spend it right away, buying the food, paying the rental to keep their life going. So you just come up to your mind, right? So how are you going to give not just the money out, how you give them a tool to help them to improve? If they have mm-hmm. any spare, spare cash, whether they can really easily access to a higher return investment. Not everyone is going to buy Bitcoin. Not everyone is going to buy Tesla, right? A lot of people you know, who, who are earning the stable cash and it's more conservative, how to improve and help them, right? So that's the moment I realized you know, actually crypto can achieve that. And I, when I look into in detail, I know it's here to, here to stay. It's not that speculation anymore by the time I, I can feel because the, a lot of DeFi project comes out. So many application was on, you know, just, you know, stop taking place in, in uh, Ethereum chain, right? Compare like a few years ago, the bubble bust. By the time it's all about, speculation but now there's a lot of application is solving the physical world problem so it's here to say for sure and so what i want to do is that i want to come up with a very simple solution for everyone to join and make them feel secure to join right and the return should be sensible because i'm not encouraging everyone to all in bitcoin or in anything right at once i want them to have a very sensible stable return expected and also, I think that was the timing I realized this industry is getting too big to be ignored by regulators, mm-hmm. which means compliance will become very important. And that's where my background comes in, right? I'm, I have the banking and the payment industry experience, so I know what kind of you know, regulation I can expect to put on the, this industry. And I believe that only the platforms that who can manage this uh, topic can really sustain Comparing to a lot of like crazy uh, platform out there doing something very well, right? I believe yeah. you know, people who are looking for a sensible return should go to a more legit and more compliance-centric platform to secure their deposit. So that's how I reached the conclusion that I want to come up, you know, something like capital to really benefit the people. So we don't really, we of course, we target who already hold the crypto, but we also want to make sure we can become the first choice for people who are not in the crypto yet to come and join the crypto economy. So that's why we very focus on the fiat channel. So easy, people can mm. easily to move their money in and do all those things together. Yeah. Mm. I think it's so powerful to, to allow that access in a way that anyone can, can participate in this, in this revolution. Because when you look at, look at crypto, there's a lot of technical barriers that you need to overcome in order to participate in this DeFi or decentralized finance platform. And when I, on the other hand, the, the, there's opportunity to earn interest, but the retail people or layman people can't really do it because they don't understand or they don't have to know how to get into the space. 
And so when I read your mission statement, it really resonates with me. It says at Capital, our mission is to empower everyone with financial liberty by providing simple, secure, and sensible access to the growing crypto market, regardless if they're a new or, or seasonal investor. So that's really powerful. And so it leads me to my next question of how does it work on the back end? Like how, how do you ensure that what mm-hmm. people are investing in is secure? And also mm-hmm. how do they get us outsized return? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's normally the, uh, the most important question I need to answer in any occasions, right? So, uh, so from day one, how we decide uh, design this is we want to make sure we only go for the sensible project, DeFi project as well. Mm-hmm. The first thing, right? We don't trade with the client's deposits. That's the first thing. They're crypto. We don't trade with their crypto. We don't do spot trade. We don't do derivative. We, do, we don't do those. The only thing we do is that we put it into the DeFi projects because that's what we believe. If you start trading, I mean, no one's got right? No one is going to know where the price will go tomorrow, seriously. So that's the first thing we, our first decision we make. And secondly, we decide, okay, we will have a research team, although it's our investment team, but they are actually doing research. <laughs> They're researching, you know, which projects, you know, we are going to invest. We only mm-hmm. go for those ones with very, very, you know, manageable risk, like over collateralized lending, which is, you know, you have a collateral to protect your principal and your interest. Right. right? We will go for the one that was farming. So it's pure, like, you know, interest uh, based, your, your, your principal is uh, protected as well. So, of course, beyond this, you got more. You have to look into whether the smart contract is also secure. So you want to make sure there's a third-party audit and which party, mm-hmm. right? You want to make sure the audit, auditor is actually quite well-known or credible, this kind of thing. You want to look into those projects that it's actually that the size is big enough to make sure there's no a single big whale is going to manipulate the price within that project. You also want to look into you know the, the team of the project. Some of them they just hire, you know, hire themselves behind the scene. Some of them actually is very transparent who they are. They also get the funding from VCs, meaning a lot of due diligence behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all this thing we have to look into and our research team or investment team has to present each of the project we consider to the risk committee we have. You know, we have a risk committee from day one. You know, by the time we only have few people, but we still come up like the committee. Yeah. But you know, now it's like getting bigger. The committee is getting bigger, but you know, we still have a committee of the same size, stick to the rule to approve and understand each of the projects that a research team proposed, okay? Once it's on our list, got approval, we will do the testing with our own funding to make sure, you know, whatever we expect is true. And then we'll start, you know, using uh, uh, the client uh, deposit and also do the diversification, uh, diversification to put into different projects as many as possible. Yeah, so what they do on the basis is really to move the, the funding, the deposit across the different projects to optimize, but they can only mm-hmm. use or go for the projects that got approved by the committee. So that's how we do the best to, you know, to protect that, that, that the, the, you know, make sure that no one's going to just say, hey, that's trade, right? And another thing very important, the process-wise, decision is made by investment managers. You know, I will give the, the final approval, but only the operation can move the money around. So no one's going to you know, manipulate the whole internal process either to pr- protect the funds of the client. Right. Yeah. And also we, are, we will have the auditor coming in by the end of this year, we'll have the auditor. So everything, the information data will be confirmed by the auditor. So that also pretty complicated. So, you know, by doing this, hopefully, you know, 
it's transparent that whatever we, we have done so far is proved to be very solid and sound to, to the users. Yeah. You said you don't trade crypto. On the back end, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of quite curious because there's mm. companies out there that are providing the yields for, for crypto savings, so to mm. speak. And the, sometimes they do that by, you know, sending this aggregate mm-hmm. the funds and send it over to guys mm-hmm. who do who lend it over to institutions for margin lending. Or on the mm-hmm. other hand, you can also provide it to people who are doing market making or trading mm-hmm. in a way that the, the risk is arbitra- through arbitrage opportunity where the risk mm-hmm. is abstracted away. So like, do, they, do you mean that you don't trade crypto, meaning you don't touch on those different pieces? Uh, we don't directly participate in the market and buy certain coins. We only put the money into those projects, yeah, to the right. DeFi projects, yeah. So the project can be, as you say, right, can be liquidity provider, for example, market-making type, but it's fee-based. Right. I know the revenue is fee-based, right? But over over collateralized lending, you know it's protected principal interest, but you know what the APY looks like, more or less. So mm. that's, the, that's the option we go for. Instead of we doing everything ourselves, because you can imagine, DeFi is smart contract, meaning there's no manual intervention can need to be involved. So it's actually better because uh, cost efficiency, firstly. And secondly, you know, you know what you get, right? Because the contract's there. You know the program, how it goes, mm-hmm. how it runs. Yeah, so that's why we go for that. I see, Predictable, I see. yeah. Got it. And so when you recommend investors to look at these DeFi protocols, like how do you think about protecting downside risks from investing mm-hmm. into this asset class, because when people think about returns, they sometimes forget about the fact that it's not just about getting high returns, but also consistent mm-hmm. return, right? So to get consistent return, you need to know mm-hmm. and be able to manage volatility. So mm-hmm. what, what, do you, uh, what do you think about when you think about protecting downside mm-hmm. risk and managing volatility for investors mm-hmm. who are putting money into capital? Yeah. So, you know, what we do is that we try to, firstly, the, the select of the, the DeFi project is something we do, the, the most important thing so far here, because to make sure we only go for very low risk options, that's the, that's the one. And obviously, I still be very, in all the communication, I think we're still very uh, transparent, right? So there's always a risk in all kinds of investment. But of course, the company wise, we legally, we borrow the crypto fund users into the investment. And then we'll, you know, uh, return with the guarantee you know, rate and guarantee tenor. So I think we will make sure the communication is very clear and we're also being very transparent in what we, we, we do behind the scene. So that's something I think not many platforms will do it. <laughs> yeah. So we try to make sure people understand, you know, what, what's the methodology out there, right? Mm. That's a, that's, 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 I think that's very, very clear for, for all of us. And the way we try to manage a very predictable and stable return is that the, the, the assets return on the other side, right? In the on project side, is up and down every day, right? We try to come up with a more stable curve for the users to make sure they, they don't need to, if we keep changing the rate all the time, meaning we changing that curve internally, right? How much we get and how much we're going to pass the users. I think that will be too difficult for the users to understand. So we try to come up something we can stick to and then, you know, make sure it's easier for them to process and make decisions. Yeah. So basically what I'm saying is that sometimes I make some money on that day. Sometimes I don't make, but, you know, I try to come out a stable line to, or APY to communicate with the users. But if the market just moved too dramatically, of course, we still need to move that curve. 
that's why you can see we don't have like one year deposit because I don't even know what will happen in one year, right? Yeah. But we know seven days, 14 days, we got 30 days. So some things are more, you know, at least manageable. And that's why we also have the promotion rates on the seven days because, you know, that's something I think the short term is easier for us to manage in terms of the market uh, risks. Yeah. So that's how we design this whole thing so far. Is there a risk that they will not get the, the capital back in case of, you know, something that we don't expect happen? For example, mm-hmm. a smart contract uh, yeah, it's high. yes, there's a, there's a chance. There's a chance. But what we will do is that we will do diversification, right? So we try to diversify it. So mm-hmm. at least when maybe one happens, we can still take the, the company-wise, we can still take care of that that, that loss. So, you know, that's that's our, our mechanism. So it still goes back to one thing is that how we choose the right project. So I think team is very important for us. And also the smart contract out is very important for us because ultimately that's, you know, that's smart contract, right? That's, that's DeFi by natural. So all those communication education you can also find on our blog. We try to be very transparent to communicate all this. But you know, I also sense one challenging is that maybe you know most of the investors they are not. It's too difficult for them to understand what does that mean. So that's why I think this kind of communication, working with you and the other you know platforms, is very important for us to just to communicate the right information to them. But you know, as I as I always say, right, the higher the risk, the higher the return. So that's the case, right? We are not providing you one, 120% return. So it's not that kind of risk, but we are providing you 5% APY. That means there's still risk or you have to live with the banks like 0% uh, for the moment. So I also encourage my you know customers. I was in uh, AMA uh, with the other affiliate. I also let them know, right? Even you like me so much after this conversation, please don't owe in your deposit. <laughs> yeah, because very, honestly speaking, right? It's all about diversification. You have to allocate. You cannot do yeah. all in. That's not right. Yeah. yeah. And this is not savings product. Okay, not a financial advice here, but definitely mm-hmm. not a saving product. It's still an investment mm-hmm. product, right? Meaning yes. there's a yes. risk that your capital will be lost. Still, yes, still. Yeah, yeah. I'm, very, I, I'm not going to just say, yeah, no, everything's fine. No, that's not true, right? This is the case. But as a company, as a brand, we do our very best to make sure this is not happening and we try our best to, to diversify the risks yeah, and be transparent uh, on it. Yeah. Got it. And maybe digging in a bit, since you spend so much time with DeFi protocols to before you start capital, maybe you can talk a little bit about what type of protocols that you think are benefiting financial mm-hmm. inclusion and the way that you're providing a solution to the people today. Like what kind of solution would be a fit for what you're looking for to park investment for, the, for, for people? Yeah, I would say so far, I would say lending is still a good one. Because that's where I see a very good return. I mean, you know, we do like to like currencies, meaning if you give the USDT, you know, I will only put into USDT projects. I'm not going to exchange it because when I exchange it, there's a, a FX risk, right? You right. actually exchange it back, there's a risk. So, you know, so we try to do like to like. So if it's like to like, I think the lending platform still give you the, uh, the biggest up, uh, upside so far. The reason is very straightforward, especially right now. I think the bull market, you know, a lot of traders, they want to, you know, collateralize their BTC maybe and you know and borrow out some more USDT and just to buy some other altcoins to enjoy their you know the market volatility right that is how they how they make their money so that's why people ask me why how come you get 12% return right so I thought it's very straightforward 12% meaning the amount of your money the trader borrow they only pay 1% a month for the right to use that money to make whatever they can make so we indirect, we indirectly participate, right? With 
the collateral. That's very important. So in the case it's not trading to the direction it wants, we still protect it. But as long as they're fine, the return will come back to us. Maybe they're making 100%, 50%, but they will pay that 12% back to us for us to pass to our users. So I think that's still where I see the, the upside and benefit people most, right? So, but which one to choose? That's still the questions, right? And if you are using the traditional Ethereum you know, chain, that means the cost is high if you're an individual. When you want every single activity, the density is super, super expensive. So we can do it for everyone by batch. That's another thing. So, you know, I think that's how I see why our setup and why our methodology can benefit those, uh, those investors. So in a way, if you look at it from traditional lens, it does mm-hmm. feel like it's a margin lending rate, right? That you should be comparing your investment mm-hmm. on. For example, if you go to uh, your stock trading application like Schwab, yeah. E-Trade or Interactive Brokers, you can mm-hmm. also borrow on margin and then use yes. that amount to trade. And yes. the rate is usually one to seven or 8%. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of a similar thing that's happening in crypto, right? Because people yeah. want to borrow to, to trade. Exactly. That's how I explain to people. I say it's very similar. Right? You got Tesla stock, but you're not going to sell it. You want to hold it for long term because you, you believe in the in the in, in the in the in the company or the share. Yeah. So, but you still want to trade something else for the time being. What you do is you're going to collateralize your Tesla and borrow the US dollar out and buy something else, right? And you have to pay for that interest, right? And the reason why you know you know the security house is willing to lend you because you have your Tesla stock with us as a collateral to protect. So I think this nothing new. But I think just another asset class and also DeFi projects running by program rather than, you know, people. So I think that's the two major difference. I just need to explain to, you know, to, to, um, to the investors. And of course, why is 12%? Because the volatility in the, uh, the, the crypto market is actually higher, much higher than stock markets, right? Meaning right. those, those borrowers can definitely earn more if they are on the right side. So of, of, obviously they have to pay more for, for the, for the, for the, for the because for the, the collateral, the is, they're, colla- they're using their crypto to collateral this, this loan. So the price yeah. fluctuation is way more. Than, than yeah. what you've seen in the in the yeah. stock market. And right. what's the role of stablecoin? Now you mentioned USDT, which is one sort of stablecoin, mm-hmm. more of a centralized version where someone is holding, safekeeping the dollar every time mm-hmm. that the, the token gets minted out. Um, how mm-hmm. do you view stablecoin market evolve going forward? Yeah, I think stablecoins plays very critical role in this, this industry, right? It becomes like a catalyst or intermediary for different trade, different project, different financial behaviors. Basically, you want to lock down the, uh, the, the price risk at some point of time, and you will park your, 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 your value with stable coins, which is a very important concept, introduce it. Uh, but I think a lot of you know, doubts, I would say, I'm trying to pick up the right words. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of doubts coming up, you know, about and a lot of rumors. Make, yeah, rumors, the stories. Yeah, about USDT, right? Which is the biggest stablecoin so far used by so many people on daily basis, right? Yeah, but I think you know the whole industry is already too big, you know, to ignore by the regulator, as I mentioned. So I think the last few weeks or few months. Regulator is making, you know, I think SEC, US Treasury, I think they make, both make it very clear they're going to step in to come up with regulation to make sure the collateral of the stable coins and the you know, requirements of those collateral will be 
advised or regulated at the end by those two departments, right? So I, I think that's very, very, very good news for the for the industry because they come out somehow they try to solve the, the the problem that people not so sure about the safety of those uh, stable coins value. So if that's like very firm, and there, there's also some rumors again uh, talking about FDIC, you know, the, the insurance of the deposit should also cover that, right? So all these things, if anything comes through, I think that will further strengthen the uh, stable coins role and people's belief and confidence of civil stable coins and benefit the whole industry at the end. Yeah. So two questions on that, because I've been following stable coin space for a long time now and coming from central banking background, this is an area mm-hmm. where I feel deeply passionate about. So one is that USDT has had a lot of rumors on the fact people having doubts that they don't have enough reserve to back mm. the circulation that's out there in the market. So do you see a shift towards other types of stable coin? And mm. two, uh, more mm-hmm. conceptually, mm-hmm. do you think uncollateralized stable coin or algorithmic version, which is not backed, yeah. would be something that comes up in the market? Let me answer the second question first. <laughs> I think it will become more centralized for sure because when the regulator, regulator comes out, I think they will ask some type of collateral behind it to make sure people's uh, interest is protected, right? So I, I think at the end, centralized requirement will, will come through, especially for stable coins. Yeah, I think that's how, 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 how I see it. Meaning requiring the, the stable uh, coins to have something to back them. Yeah, yeah, to back them, right? Some kind of assets, right? And that will back to the first question. What's the right asset to back? So cash obviously is the best, of course, right? If you say one to one. But I mean, my, you know, my question is like this. Firstly, Peter, do they have the enough asset to back it? I think according to the audit report, right, there is. The question is about the quality of the assets, right? So quality of assets. There's commercial paper, there are, different kind of things, whether that's safe. And, but you have to ask the question, why they want to do this? Why they want to, why, why don't they just keep dollars, right? Because it's easier. Because they want to make money, that's it. If you want to make something sustainable and commercially workable, it has to make money because you've got people managing that platform, managing that stable coin, there's a team there, right? There's an expense there, it had to be covered. So converting hard dollar into the other assets, they can immediately generate return on top of it. And that's why we have this mechanism helping the whole industry. So they still deserve the value they create to the industry, right? So I think at the end of the day, it's about the balance. I don't think it can be 100% cash because that means, you know, the circulation now is around, you know, 60, 70 billion, let's say, right? And now you move that amount to, cash and they might earn 0.1% interest rate APY on top of it. I don't know whether that's enough money for them to run the, uh, the whole team or the, the whole product, right? But if they can come up, you know, a combination of, of asset class is safe enough to accept by regulator, but APY is high enough to let them have a reasonable profit. Let's say, for example, 1% or 1.5% out of that huge, you know, billions, billions. Maybe that works. And I think the balance is the point here because you don't want to push it too hard. And you know, at the end of the day, if it's not profitable, no one's going to stay and work. You need a commercial incentive to drive innovation. That's always the case. Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, it's the asset class, whether the quality is good enough 
behind it. And no one can say, you know, what's the right or wrong. I think that's why we need a regulator in this case to protect everyone's interests. And uh, finding a good balance is another, you know, uh, topic I think should need to be addressed by the regulator at the end of the day to have this. And once it's done, I believe there will be more because they're clear, very clear rule, right? Okay, if I do this, I can do, I can also issue the stable coin. I think that would, that would be very, very uh, helpful for more innovation that comes out. So maybe this is a more conceptual or ideology question, but I'm quite curious because crypto is more of a, a it's an industry where it's not regulated at the moment. And mm-hmm. if the, the, the fundamental of all these DeFi platforms are using, which is stablecoin, is being regulated, then mm-hmm. it serves as sort of a, an Archelis heel to the whole mm-hmm. system, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where everything can be shut down. I don't think that will be the, the scenario because as I say, right, it's now solving some real world problem already. It's not like, oh, you, I mean, it's not like, oh, Anonymous, so we can do money laundering, right? We can do dark market trade. So it was like that at the very beginning. I believe that's, you know, majority of value comes from there. But now, for example, if you, you can see so many, you know, projects running on Ethereum, they are really dealing with, uh, you know, the, the real world uh, problem. Like TIDA, right? They are dealing with the, the content delivery services. They try to create a system to use the spare bandwidth and capacity to help the DNA. The, the, um, the delay, uh, delay content management stuff, right? So that's that's a very different scenario now. So I believe there'll be part of the um, usage will be removed when things getting clear. Mm-hmm. But I also believe there will be more and more use case coming up. It's very transparent and very legit and they will stay, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. The whole regulation comes in. I believe, you know, the regulator, their intention is not to stop or try to kill the industry what they want is that they, they want to embrace innovation to make sure there's another good growth for the economy and also community so like nft for example right it's still very new and it's solving a problem for monetization of the artist, artist for example yeah. yeah right during the covid there's no way there's no gallery no exhibition how you can do keep engaging with your, your 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 community to make money people still need to make their livings right nft becomes like one of the option and actually more and more people embracing it. So it's solving a problem that, you know, is here to stay. And in that case, I believe, you know, since it's legit, the adaption will be even bigger. So the value of the crypto industry, I believe will, will keep growing. Yeah. So your view is that once regulation gets clearer, the legitimate it will legitimize the use cases of, of a lot of these products. And so people who are using this crypto or stable coins for illegal or illicit activities will get wiped, wiped away, whereas, and then sure. let the, the clean usage or clean activity stay. And, yeah. flourish and also, you know, right now, for example, when we are you know, trying to talk to a lot of potential users or when I work, work with affiliates, right? Uh, they always uh, say, you know, their audience might have, you know, might, might read, read through the whole idea of the story and try to understand the crypto more. But when then, for example, when they say, oh, what's stable coin? Is the value for real? They have a doubt. But if the regulation comes in and make these questions not a question anymore, it's much easier to convert more people to join this in, uh, industry, right? So the same thing I think will apply in different points and help, you know, 
more people to be comfortable trying some new products in crypto. Right. So I think that's uh that that I think that's ha- that's happening already now. You can see more and more countries that they, you know the the mass majority want to give it a try. The adoption uh, ratio keep going up, and um yeah. So that's why I think even now, right, you got so many adverse news about some big platforms out there, but in fact, their transaction volume is still picking up, right? Because people want this product. Um, and another strong push is really inflation, I think, because inflation is really inevitable and people want to find a way to hedge their purchasing power. And I believe this is something very easy, very liquid for them to deal with. So I think that's another big push. So I, I think we are seeing, a you know, I won't say perfect storm, but so many forces is helping to push or expedite the adoption of this uh, this new technology and new product. Yeah, I was pretty surprised when I was in the U.S. a couple of months ago that inflation rate in the U.S. is now about five percent, yes, five and a half percent, which is very high compared to yes. a few just one to two years ago, which was still I think below two percent at the time. So yeah. the rate of inflation going up is 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 accelerating and we might not be aware of hyperinflation when it comes it, because it just hits like, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. You see a petroleum price is back to uh, 80 per barrel. I was like, wow. <laughs> I, I, you know, people are like, oh, I saw we are in almost like recession a few months yeah, ago exactly. because of COVID, right? But now, wow, $80 per barrel, that's just a lot, right? And you can see, I think US also helps a bit, right? Because they try to try to help the people with the check, everything, right, the, for, for the unemployment. But that also puts some people not working at the moment. So that means less labor supply. So, you know, they have to, the most of the corporate have to fight for limited uh, labor supply. So that yeah. will also increase the, the price. Everything, that chain reaction. Yeah, and China now is doing this energy control that also push a little bit on the uh, the manufacturing and also all the product they export globally is globally mm. export, right? So all this thing goes together. I believe the uh, inflation, you know, will will be here to stay for a while until you know the all this factor got 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 solved. But it's not you know COVID makes everything even more complicated. So um, yeah, so personally, I think that's another big reason you can see that. The adaption in emerging markets is actually growing very fast, crypto-wise. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. those economy got hurt most, comparing to US, Europe, right, Japan. Right? So emerging markets, people want want these products so desperately because the money they put into the bank account, they know it's depreciating every single day. Yeah, well, they might not have money to put in the bank account, and that's why they're all playing Axie Infinity <laughs> to earn some cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another possibility. Yeah. So maybe we can talk a little bit about capital and, and its approach in not using token to mm-hmm. help people earn. So compared to other exchanges or investment platforms that are offering this kind of service, they might sometimes have their own native token. What's your thoughts around not having a native token for, for the platform? Yeah, I think for two reasons, right? Firstly, I think the, the, the platform token as a product, I think it's contradict to the intention of the, the investor. The reason why the investor comes to the platform like you know capital for a stable and you know predictable return on their crypto is because they are more conservative, right? Or they will just go and market and trade. But in the meantime, you, you tell them, hey, you know, I issue a token, you can just buy and stick with us to exchange a higher rate. 
But the true story is that the platform token also have a price. And considering the size of the token and use case, very, very limited. I mean, you cannot really guarantee the price will always go up or stable, right? So I think that, I think from May, I believe when the price of crypto uh, BTC, you know, came down from 64K to, you know, below 30K, most of those platform tokens, they also had a 40%, 50% decrease of the market. Right. But when BTC went up the last few weeks, they are they not, they, have, they didn't come, they come up. up, yes. Yeah. So, so how are you going to, you know, explain to your users when they say, hey, I'm here for something stable, but you sell me something actually even more volatile <laughs> compared to the other, right? So I think that's self-contradictory. So I, I think that's one thing, the product proposition are we trying not to do it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this is wrong, but I think this is really the option. We try to be transparent and what you see is what you get. So that's why we make, make our, mind, our mind that we don't do it. Secondly, it's more about compliance and regulation, to be honest, because the token, normally they have the feature like voting rights and they have revenue share, some, some of them. This sounds more like share, right? It's like mm. a share. So what does that mean? That means that you're issuing a share, you know? It sounds like you need to have a security license, license. rather than just yeah. exchange or payment. So, it's, so when we look into it, we kind of feel, okay, that's difficult to define. So that's the kind of the regulatory you know, uh, risks that we don't want to take. Uh, so that's another reason for the, for, for the companies, you know, governments and, and, and the risk we try to avoid. So that's the two reasons. So, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, market's booming. The industry is booming. We just want to make sure we give another choice to the users, and you know, and that's the value. If people recognize and agree, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, capital will be their be their option. Yeah. So, will it work if the market was on a downtrend? Yeah. So I think it will because our interest rate. We are benchmarking two things, right? One is the traditional banking, right? You have to have the premium, of course, but actually you, you just, what, what we're going to tell the users that we much better our return compared to your banking deposit. Secondly, is you know, benchmarking you, uh, the, 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 the market, the industry. I believe when the market is coming down, meaning everyone have to adjust the rates downwards. I don't believe that when the market is down, someone can keep, you know, very high interest rate for a very long time. Yeah. yeah I don't think that will work. Yeah, so... I think that's that's how you know how I see it. It's just we try to you know be transparent about okay you know m- be honest. Majority of what we earn, we're going to give a very you know more or less the certain percentage back to the users, right? Uh, and focusing on getting the volume to become big and to to reach that uh, critical mass. Yeah. I guess uh, just to clarify a bit, why I ask that is because currently the demand for borrowing and giving mm. out this interest is coming from margin trading. But when the mm-hmm. market is on the downtrend, there might not be demand to do that anymore, right? So how mm-hmm. how is the interest rate going to be generated? I, I think uh, I think from May we see that happens, but surprisingly, and I think it's not also not surprising, still some people betting on you know the different direction. So you can definitely see the BTC and ETH yield comes up because people are borrowing BTC and ETH to sell it, right? Short mm, basically. Short. So you can see the price of BTC, uh, the, the APY on BTC ETH goes up uh, quite well. But USDT, of course, is more flat. But even so, still people thinking, you know, the price might rebound and still borrow USDT. So you can still see a decent and reasonable uh, interest rate there. Not that high comparing to 
you know, like now or, you know, uh, before May, but still around there. So what I'm saying is that if, you know, that low interest rate environment for USDT stays for much longer than expected, we also need to adjust our APY down to reflect, you know, how much we can really give to our users. And I believe if we do that, most likely the other platform will have the same, because, you know, we, we also face yeah. the same market, right? So I think, mean, so that's why I said we have to benchmark the other platform to see whether they also come down, uh, move down the, the interest rate they, they offer to the users. Yeah, it's such an interesting market because I think when funds are starting to come in and more will come for sure, there will still be demand to, to borrow and lend in this market and pro- therefore providing interest rate for, for DeFi protocols and investment platform like Capital, right? But at the same yeah. time, going forward, if we look into the future a few years from now, hopefully mm-hmm. crypto will have less volatility as more and more people come in and there's better mm-hmm. price discovery in the market. So there's this push mm-hmm. and pull factor in the market that remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know, as a platform, we definitely, we cannot just have one product. Right? So I think we are working on new products to make sure we can become more relevant to our users, you know, try to find out more user cases, for example, I, I personally, I think you know, capital is also a strong, you know, believer about DCA, the dollar cost averaging. So mm. that means we can get fee, right? Because DCA is actually a way for anyone to accumulate these digital assets anytime. I think the risk management mechanism is actually much better than all the other strategy. Of course, you can have some deviation of DCA, considering you know maybe the previous investment price, and now try to have some changes. But in a nutshell, right? We try to distribute the risks by distributing the um, timing when you purchase, right? And among you purchase. So that's another thing we can do and also offer to our users. So there's a lot of things we can still do and make sure we have uh, the right product and also generating different revenue stream. But, you know, we start from one product, but we'll definitely move on to more to make sure our community, our platform is sustainable. Yeah. And consistent return. And last yeah. question, Raymond, how do people get involved and use the product? Yeah, I think it's uh, very straightforward. I think in um, App Store, you know, we can definitely, and Google Play, you can find us easily. And you can also go to our website and you can find where you can click and just, you know, direct you to those places to download it. We only offer our product to user pass out KYC. That's one thing. So, you know, some jurisdictions so far we haven't opened up. But most of jurisdictions, I believe that is we open up. So once you download it uh, in Euro and in UK, you know, I think UK will come very shortly. So you can find, you got local payment capability, meaning you can deposit your Euro or GBP into capital and you can start buying crypto and invest with us. For the other markets that we haven't got a local, you know, payment rail ready, you might need to deposit crypto directly by transfer your crypto from the other places into our wallets. You can find the address in the wallet section. Yeah, so then you can start doing it and using our product. Yeah. So meaning I'm in Thailand, I can also use the product as long as I can yes. deposit crypto into, yes. into capital wallet. You can, you can. That's yeah. awesome. And we, yeah, we will, our KYC cover quite many jurisdictions and it's quite you know powerful. So yeah, so I think you give it a try for sure. Yeah, hopefully one day we can go to Thailand market and get the uh, local currency capability to make it easier for you guys. Hopefully, yeah. and with the Thai regulation being so conducive, so mm-hmm. hopefully the product will come out soon. So listeners, yeah. feel free to check out Capital. That's C-A-B-I-T-A-L dot com and download the application and test it out. And thanks so much, Raymond, for spending time with us today. Thanks, Thanks for your time. So. Well.